you crazy metal maniacs! It's time for another Talking Bollocks! With me, Howard H. Smith. Hello, welcome. Welcome one and all. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Probably not getting anybody for the first time these days. Just keep getting the same old listeners. And do you know what? I love you all. I really do. From the bottom of my bollocks. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Howard H. Smith. I am the lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. About to put out a new album for the first time in 29 years. Before the end of the year, that's all I can say at the moment. I'm also a stand-up comedian, and uh, I perform as Keith Platt, professional Yorkshireman. I also do the odd bit of emceeing, um, and uh, I'm, you know, do a bit of this, do a bit of that. Um, you got so you can find Talking Bollocks on social media, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find Keith Platt on social media, Twitter, and Facebook, and KeithPlatt.co.uk. Does anybody? Go to websites anymore. And also, you can find Acid Rain on all social media, including Bandcamp and acidrain.co.uk. Really, does anybody use websites anymore? I'm seriously considering defunking the Acid Rain website. Seems like a bit of a fucking waste of time, if you ask me. But anyway, let us say hello. And I want to start with a thank you to all of you listening um, I've really been looking to. I've really been looking forward to doing the podcast today, and you know, I I I love doing this. Hopefully, that does come across. Okay, uh, if it doesn't, and I'm I, I don't know what I have to do to prove it, um, and whatever I did do would probably be illegal. But look, guys, I I really enjoy doing this. It helps, you know. I get my yah-yahs out and get to moan and uh, and hopefully make a few of you laugh at the same time. But I really, I just really enjoy doing it. Um, and um, and here we are, you know, four years, four and a half years after starting, still going. You know, I mean, I'm I'm amazed. I really am. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not amazed. I'm still going, but I'm I'm just amazed that people still care. It's awesome. Um, and so the reason of starting out on this vibe was just to thank all of you who've taken the time to review Talking Bollocks on iTunes. Now. I really do appreciate it, and this is not this is not a, a, a plug to try and get more of you to do it. But there is twenty eight reviews up there, and the podcast gets a four point eight out of five rating. You fucking cunts! Why isn't it five? Hey, what the fuck do I have to do around here to get a five? I'm only joking. Seriously, guys, that's fucking amazing. Although, that rant, I bet a lot of you thought, yeah, fair enough. Oh, yeah, here he is, being a twat again. Um, uh, No, seriously, I mean, 4.8 out of 5, 28 reviews, that is awesome. Thank you so much. I really do genuinely appreciate it. I mean, you know, unfortunately for all of you 28 people who reviewed it, it means that you're stuck with iTunes, which invariably means you're running an Apple product, which means there's no hope for you. But (laughs) thank you nonetheless. Thank you, one. Thank you, all. Thanks, all 28 of you for reviewing that. And also, not just the people who have reviewed uh, on iTunes, but thanks to you, you, the listener, who has told just one person who's gone, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, and you know, and they've listened to it and thought, do you know what? He, he he is mildly annoying, but I can put up with him. Um, whatever it is, thank you. This genuinely does feel like a, um, uh, not a community, because I hate that phrase, along with a load of other phrases you know I hate, like reaching out. You mean sent an email, you fucking pretentious twat. Um, 
But I, I, I feel like people who gravitate towards talking bollocks are, are similar kind of people. I see the way the patrons communicate with each other on, on Patreon. And again, guys, if you want to get more out of, out, out of the podcast, there's a whole other podcast waiting for you. And you get to ask questions. You get to tell me what questions you want asked of your, of your favourite guests. Um, so go to patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. There you can donate $5 a month. How much... That's less than you spend on condoms in a week, okay? That is less than you spend on pasta in a month. That is less than you spend in any major high street retailer a month. That's definitely less than you spend online. And I don't know, a lot less than you spend on music, fingers crossed. So feel free to join in. But I just kind of feel like the people who... Um, who listen to this uh, bollocast for that for that is what it is um, you're kind of if, if you if we if we all met up all listeners talking bollocks and myself all met up one night I, I reckon we would have a fucking awesome party I really do I mean I've, I've tried to throw a few around the country with the um, doing the tales from the book of thrash um, and pod uh, <laughs> Podless? No, Godless. And I actually, he is Podless, isn't he? He hasn't got a Podless. He hasn't got a podcast anymore. So Podless, otherwise known as Godless, and I did do a live podcast in London in January, uh, and I'd love to do some more. But yeah, I just feel like we're all we're we're all kind of on the same page, yeah. And even even if even if you like you don't necessarily agree with what I'm saying on a, p- a particular subject, at least you you might admire the commitment with which it is done. Anyway, that is enough of kissing our asses. Yeah, not just mine, you as well. That's the listeners. I've been kissing your ass. I've been kissing my ass. We're all just generally, this is one big circle jerk of podcastery that needs to end now. So let's get straight into it. Let's go. Here we go. It's what's been happening in the news of metal in the last month. Well, firstly, there was a Slipknot special on Talking Bollocks, so you better have already got that. And if you haven't, Go find it, download it, listen to it, enjoy. It is my bank holiday gift, despite the fact that the bank holiday is now gone. But one thing you can be sure of is a bank holiday stocking is another word for a condom. That's something I'm never going to forget. But anyway, um, here it is, the metal news. Asking Alexandra has announced a boundary-pushing collaboration with world-leading Counter-Strike esports tournament Blast Pro uh, Pro Series. Asking Alexandra will be the official music partner for Blast Pro Series Los Angeles, taking place on July the 13th at the Galen Center in downtown Los Angeles, blah, blah, blah. The partnership, which will include asking Alexandra's take on the Blast Pro Series signature theme music. In other words, they're going to redo that. Uh, special event merchandise, Alexandra Andrea's track "When the Lights Come On" as the official team theme tune of the event, and more um, and more activations to be announced in the coming week. Whatever activations are, asking Alexandra guitarist uh, Ben Bruce says, "I think esports is an exciting new platform. Can we just get it clear? Esports is nerds playing sport." On their consoles, okay. Just in case any of you didn't know that, esports is basically gamers gaming. If you look at these esports events, there is a huge production, and even just the energy from the spectators, which will no doubt be more than it is 
than from participants. It's like an NFL game. And that's where rock and roll is most at home, in a live atmosphere where people are already energised. The marriage of the two is going to be quite magical, apart from the nerds sat there gaming it, completely ignoring you. Going on to talk about the use of When the Lights Come On as the official track of Blast Pro Series, Ben adds, I love this, when we wrote that song, we wrote it specifically with arena crowds in mind. Yeah, nice marketing, guys. That's a real pure place for your art to come from. The whole song itself is about that feeling and about that moment when the lights come on and the show starts. Brilliant. Uh, So what did you call the song? When the lights come on. I mean, it really is Janet and John all the way. By Janet and John, I mean just real, you know, meat and potatoes, ABC, fucking marketing meets metal. The reason I've gone completely over that, I've got I've got no axe to grind with asking Alexandra, apart from the fact that they're from Ripon, a small town near me where a load of cunts come from. So they may be cunts, I can't confirm that. But... That, you know, that hookup with, with, with an esports event, fuck me. Um, I mean, the nerve they've got it to call sports that use the word sport in there. But anyway, um, that's a whole other podcast, me and esports. Anyway, I'm just saying that this, these, these are the kind of things. This is a band of that generation trying to reach out to fucking hell. Who's reaching out now? What a twat. But they are. They're trying to reach an audience. And that is the esports audience, gamers. And just get their brand and their band to more eyes and more ears. And, you know, I get it. And I'm just saying that that is, the, you know, this is how bands are, are going to be doing. There's going to be more and more of this stuff. Uh, hopefully with more imaginative songs than when the lights come on. Because it's about when the lights come on. Basically, Ben, yeah, fuck nugget. Jesus. Um... Harking back to a previous episode, in fact, the last episode, uh, Jacoby Shaddix, hey, he gets it. He's not, he's not, I mean, I've, I've stuck up, do you know, for somebody who hates um, his band, I, I, I'm really starting to like old Jacoby Shaddix. I mean, it's a ludicrous name, isn't it, for God's sake. But, um, you know, I mean, not a member of the, uh, the greatest band in the world. And I'm stalling because I can't fucking remember the name. Papa Roach, right, okay. And, um, but he's not one of these fucking celebrities going, oh, rock's dead, oh, metal's dead, oh, fucking... No, he's, he just came straight out, the man gets it, he just goes, look, it's a lifestyle, mate. It's a lifestyle, it's not just about the music. Top man, good work. Jacoby Shaddix, he's rapidly joining the list of people I really like, apart from not being able to bear their music. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, you're in, um, you're in... Good company with Randy Dave Blythe from um, uh, from from Lamb of God, and also in great company with Jacody Shavix. I think there's somebody else there as well on my list, but I can't remember who it is. Anyway, um, moving on. Who else is going to Who else is going to deserve my wrath? Um, well, I'm looking at you guys in tights, men with loincloths. That's right. It's Man of War. Man of war, born to be a dickhead forevermore. Let each note I now play be like a black arrow of death into the heart of anyone who plays false metal. Now, just to point out for one second... Hang on, that's made me cough. (coughs) (coughs) Yeah, sorry, I did the old... um, I did the... In a world where there can be only one, there is two. Um... 
I really should get some voiceover work from... If anybody knows anybody who's a voiceover agent, can you fucking tell them that I need I need work, I need voiceover work? I could do with some of that fat voiceover check. Definitely. Oh, yeah. You'll not, you won't shout me... I won't be shouting cunt then. Oh, I'm going to be... You'll be hearing me on all of your fucking mainstream fucking shit adverts. And you'll be going, oh, that's H from Talking Bollocks. And acid rain. I remember him when he wasn't a complete sellout cunt. <laughs> but, any, but anyway... I do like a tangent. Back to Man War. By the way, that little speech I did, that is a genuine speech off a Man War album. So that's how embarrassing they are. Um, and the tour looks like a great show. You know, shit songs, etc. But impressive. At least there's stuff to look at whilst they're playing their absolute middle-of-the-road dross heavy metal. And it is dross heavy metal. It was when it fucking came out. I've hated this band from the fucking... The word go. The minute people... It, no, just fucking no. And now they've said, oh, it's not a final tour. Just because just because we called it the final fight or whatever they called it. No, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. We didn't say it, it was the it was the final tour. And fans are telling us to continue. What a fucking cheek they've got. OK, who's next? Um, well, who are, the next the next bunch of people who are completely uh, undeserving of my wrath are Danish rockers DAD. Will release their first album in eight years, A Prayer for the Loud, on May, like they aren't aware that the 80s have finished. On May the 31st, via AFM Records, the follow-up to 2011's Dick Nee Lan Daft Er Dark. Oh yeah, I see what they did there brilliant joke harks back to the core of what dad does better than most not everyone better than most four guys who play thrilling rock music with ferocious energy catchy songs and an infectious commitment infectious like a fucking virus you're joking are you there's one infection i definitely don't want i mean does any any of you out there know anyone and please message me on Facebook, Twitter, all of the ways of getting in touch. Please tell me anyone out there, right, who is excited about a new DAD album. Please do that, okay? Okay, schoolboy error there. Um, haven't done that for a while. Actually managed to pull out the cable of the back of my mic and I've been ranting on for about five minutes and hadn't even noticed because I haven't got the recording up in front of me. I have got my notes. So, well, you know, notes. Laughable. So, sorry about that. Okay, right. Who is next up for the treatment? Well, it's the next band that everybody wants a new single from. Oh, yes. Come on. Surely everybody has been waiting for the new Blink-182 single. No? Oh, you do surprise me. I mean, it's called Blame It On My Youth, and it still... You know, oh, I bought some pants, and I went to the shop, and then I drove around a car park, and it's really funny, and if you don't like it, then you don't get it. Oh, isn't this great? It's fucking tedious is what it is, lads. It's fucking tedious, and you're still doing the same fucking shtick, except... You're now in your mid to late 40s and you can't pull off fucking, oh, I'm frustrated. I'm a kid who can't get a girl. And now you're having to do blame it on my youth. So you've turned it all, turned it all around now and it's blame, blame it on your youth. Fucking hell. Well, if we're blaming it on your youth, your youth is when you recorded the majority of your fucking back catalogue, you cunt. 
So exactly. So basically what you're saying is blame our back catalogue, blame it on us. We're shit. I get that. I can handle that. I fucking agree as well. Um, as I'm sure you've realised. I'm being slightly distracted at the moment because of all the nights somebody's decided to start drilling upstairs. It's in the background. I'm sure we can survive for now. Okay, so um, and now something I do very, very rarely, and that is a shout out to another podcast. Um, different times, shout out to those boys, both, um, both, ah, um, uh, oh, fucking hell, lads, sorry. <laughs> the names have gone. It's ADHD, mate, I'm sorry. It's the way it goes, okay? Um, Daniel and Paul, I do, apo- do apologise. It's Paul, Paul Podcast and, um, and Daniel... Yeah, whatever the, the rhyme is on that one, mate. I'm sorry. Um, they've given me a few uh, name drops since... Um, well, it's name drops, shout-outs, whatever you want to call it. I guess they're called shout-outs now instead of name drops, aren't they? Ooh, how thoroughly modern. Um, but, yeah, really enjoying their podcast. Um, you know, they, they say it as they see it. They're not going to try and fob you off with shit. So definitely worth trying out the, um, the Different Times podcasts. Um, and now somebody who needs no introduction, a uh, big hero of mine... Um, D. Schneider. Um, now, he's got a podcast called I Want to Talk. I know he tried one a few years ago and it only lasted six months and, and that was the end of it. This one's on Gas Digital Network, Jamie Jaster's network. Um, there are free episodes available. They just come out a lot later. Um, but I, I, I honestly, seriously, I Want to Talk, D. Schneider podcast. Go and listen to one, okay? And it's called Fighting Words. And go and listen to a guy who gets it. He talks about he talks about metal um, uh, and talks about rock, but but he talks about metal, and it all starts over Twitter with. <coughs> sorry, still playing the price for doing that stupid fucking voice. Um, it all starts over Twitter with a guy from some some millennial, as he calls him, who's admining the hard rock cafe. Um, Twitter account and someone's basically having a go going well hang on it's, it's supposed to be hard rock cafe hard rock and you're filling it full of fucking rap shit and stuff like that and what the fuck and then the the debate widens and goes further out about the metal appro- about the appropriation of metal culture into the mainstream and just just listen to the guy remember for those of you who are you know aren't as fucking ancient as me right D Schneider went and sat in front of um, the US government, a panel to defend heavy metal, to defend um, the art of metal, of lyric writing, of all the kind of music. Because that, Judas, you know, Judas Priest being taken to court for two fucking idiots shooting themselves back in the day. It was serious fucking business. And D. Schneider went and, you know, after that, went to bat for the metal community. Nobody else did. And he can be very, very proud. And I still remember him doing it. And it was fucking awesome. And this episode of his podcast, called uh, it's called I Want to Talk, and the episode Fighting Words, never has there been a more passionate and eloquent defence of our genre than that podcast. Really worth checking out, guys. Really, really worth checking out. And with that, I'm going to turn you on to something else worth checking out. And that is the first guest on the podcast proper. So first up is... Alexandros Anisadis. I'm, I'm, look, Alex, I know you're listening. My apologies, okay? I apologise. He's written a book called Crossover, The Edge, where hardcore, 
punk and metal collide. Now, I am going to get this, man. I, I And I haven't got it yet. So I'm very much kind of interviewing him the same way any of you, any of you guys would have. Um, but I just thought it was a way of... Um, I'm still paying for that stupid voice. <coughs> um, I'm just going to get a drink of water. Sorry. So... Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's it's an awesome book. It's on Cherry Red Records. There is a, a forward by Ian Glasper, who, as you know, um, did the UK Thrash um, book last year, complete with compilation and everything else. So um, I I just had to get this guy on because I thought that that is that is a book I need to pick up, and and I wanted to get him on and have a chat. And as you will hear, well. We had a rather nice conversation. Can't plug this book, this plug this book or not uh, enough. God, I'll get the words out. Cherry Red Records doing a great job putting stuff like this out. Tr- really do try and make sure you pick a copy of this up. It's called Crossover the Edge. Here is me and Alex having a chat the other day. Howard. Hello, Alex. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm very well. How are you? Uh, very very well very tired but very well <laughs> <laughs> cool okay um well just to let you know we are recording i'm re- i always record straight from the off so um okay okay uh, uh it's uh, it, it's good to finally speak it's um it's been a couple of weeks since we made the arrangement and i know you've been, i know you're a busy parent so um uh thanks for taking the time uh no worries howard uh, uh first of all it's a, it's a great honor talking to you speaking with you and um, how can I, how can, could I not do it? I mean, you played in acid rain, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing. I'm, I'm, so where where are you from originally, Alex? Well, originally I'm from Greece. I'm Greek, right? Uh, but uh, the last um, uh, f- uh, seven years, I've been uh, me and my family. We lived in Manchester. We lived in Italy, in Siena. Right now we live in Luton. Next year we don't know where we are going to be because of the heartbreak that is coming. <laughs> <laughs> so how yeah, come yeah, um, how I'm come quick. you um, how come you move around so much? Well, uh, why is that? Uh, well, it's uh, the kind of jobs that uh, me and my partner are doing, so it's right. easy for us to move around. It's uh, it's pretty easy. I'm a, I work in a in a school in London. Uh, whereas my partner used to work in international schools all over, uh, but right now she works for an airline. Uh, but uh, so you can imagine that uh, uh, it's pretty easy for us to move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get that. Oh, that's that's really cool. And just in case, just you, you yeah. know, just because in case you weren't busy enough, you decided to, you decided to write a book on hardcore and crossover. <laughs> Well, and the funny thing is that this is my first book. Uh, there are uh, two or three more to come in the next uh, two or three years. So, wow! Yeah, right? It okay. Was a, uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love, Howard. I mean, I, I really love what I'm what I'm doing. It's uh, something that it is uh, uh, very connected with my my, my academic uh, my academic career because at the moment I'm doing also a PhD. But uh, this book, specifically this book, uh, Crossover the Edge, was something more than a labor of love because uh, alongside uh, uh, Crossover, Hardcore, Punk, and no. bands, 
I mean, yeah, you can imagine. This is this was my. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that crossover was my starting point in life, but uh, it, it was where I was placed when I was 15 years old. So, right when you, when you when you are treating something with uh, so much uh, love, uh, I mean, even though you can be way too busy, it's uh, it's not going to be a problem. Okay, you yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. If you're following following your passion, well, it's like it's like that old phrase, isn't it? If you if you can find something. You do that you love and it pays. You'll never do a day's work in your life. Um, exactly, exactly. And so, so if you don't mind, me, I mean, you know. Sorry, if you don't mind sorry, me asking, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just wanted to get. Um, I just wanted to find out how old you were, just to find out, kind of. So, uh, where, so where, well, you, when you being uh, fifteen, where that sits in with the crossover scene? Yeah, well, I'm thirty-eight years old. Right. I'm not. Uh, I'm not too young, and I'm not too old. No, not at <laughs> and, all. Uh, I. I and I felt Howard right in between um, uh, the, the worst period of um, music, um, uh, you know, the, the mid-90s, where, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know... <laughs> yeah, where, where, where metal went to die, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, uh, well, you had... Um, uh, can I be a bit cruel? Of course yeah, you can. I will be, okay. Yeah, yeah, you had, um, you know, the uh, new metal crap, um, the hardcore scene. Uh, I mean, the hardcore scene in the 90s was really, really good, but it was, uh, it was very heavy. It was very extreme. It was, I mean, uh, I, I like craft bands. I like the beat bands way too much. But how much craft in the beat can you, can you take, man? It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um... and uh, my first, well, my first. Um, my first touch with the crossover was uh, well when I was 14 to 15 years old with uh, DRI. Uh, I bought a record of uh, four of a kind. Yeah. DRI. And, uh, and, uh, just because of the cover, just because of a record cover. I saw the record cover and I say this must be good. I I, I remember even the price that I got. It was on Drachmas. It was on Greek Drachmas. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I went to the to my English school um, a lesson with this record, and the teacher told me, "What's that crap that you're listening to? Uh, when are you going to grow up?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'd love to see her right now. <laughs> that's that, that, that's all. I, I love the fact. I love the fact that you took the record to school and you hadn't, you know, you hadn't had a chance to play it yet, and and your teacher <laughs> is all reading you, telling you that you're listening to crap. So you must have like. You must yeah. have, when you got around to listening to it, you must have really wanted to like it, just just so you could, yeah, you know, yeah. as a fuck you to him. Exactly. Exactly. I was furious, man. I said, well, what, what's this talking about? Uh, why is he so mean? And she called my mother and said, your son brought a record uh, in, his, uh, in, in, in the English uh, lesson. And uh, prior to this record, he brought a record... Uh, uh, by a band that uh, glorifies uh, the death of uh, <laughs> John Fitzgerald Kennedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, right. you know, the, yeah. And uh, when I went back home, I've, uh, it exploded. It, it literally exploded in my ears, my brain. I was, I, 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 I couldn't believe what I was listening. I was what I was hearing. Yeah, it was amazing. It, it was magic. And that's that's awesome, and it, and it's quite an old school band to be to, to to get into hardcore as well. Given that, well, I say old school. I mean, I've, I'm eleven years older than you, and um, uh, and DRI were one of my 
you know, first um, first hardcore bands that I listened to. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I listen. Well, I listen to DRI. And to this day, my favorite album of theirs is still Dealing with It, which is essentially yeah. which is essentially a hardcore band. And of course, they exactly. are they, they are credited with with creating or at least naming crossover because of the album. Yeah. So in the in in the in 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 your research and writing, did you find that necessarily to be true, or was it, or were they just the first band to sort of coin a phrase, if you like? Well, um, uh, I researched through all those years for the term crossover and thrust, and um, uh, in terms of finding out uh, who was the first to coin this um, uh, this term, and it seems to be that the first one to coin this term. Uh, it was not a band, it was a journalist. And it was a journalist that you, uh, all, all fellow British men know. He was, um, uh, um, oh my God, I forgot his name. Uh, the guy that played in the Gonads and had the BBC documentary. Right, I'm not quite sure who you mean. Uh, uh, who championed all those skinhead bands. Who the term the who coined the term to oi to uh, Gary Bussell? Gary ah, Bussell. Ah, right. Yeah. Oh, god. Yeah. That that idiot. Gary Bussell was the first one to um, coin the term crossover when he uh, when he described Motorhead, Motorhead uh, era of overkill in 1979, and uh, for for about for a period of time, um, both in the Enemy and Sounds magazine, he tried to champion uh, this sound. He even made a. Um, uh, he even made a, a, a common review for uh, early Iron Maiden and early Cockney Rejects, where he named it East End Punk Metalheads for both of them. He, he managed to, uh, to show that uh, Iron Maiden had, uh, early Iron Maiden had uh, punk influences and early Cockney Rejects had metal influences. So he kind of ter- uh, coined this term. Uh, afterwards, it was... Uh, it was Brian Shredder Pusset, the famous artist, um, who coined the term speedcore, um, that um, defined, you know, the mix of uh, hardcore punk with um, with metal. Yeah. Uh, but the first band that took um, this uh, the, the crossover term and put it on uh, on uh, the, on, uh, on a record was yeah was it was the Rye. even if though. You know, Les Odeer wrote this, uh, this, uh, this lyric in the United Forces, which, which said, uh, skinheads are bangers, if punks and those one, crossover to the final thing. So, uh, you can, in the, in the early 80s, until 1986, when, uh, when, uh, the Arise crossover was released, yeah. you can find many sources of, uh, of this, um, of this term. Or where it, where it can belong to, or or, or something. So it's uh, it's it's kind of um, what uh, what um, who who do you want to take to, that coined this term first? Right. Okay. So it's kind of like it, it, basically, I, I'm interested. It's amazing the um, uh, the fact that you managed to like go back as far and find out that Gary Bushell was the first person to kind of use that term. Um, because that's again, I'm, I mean, uh, you know, as you know, I haven't managed to read the book yet. So I, I, and don't worry, it's on my list. I'm definitely getting it. I definitely want to read it because there's a whole, uh, there's a whole load of bands in there 
that uh, or I yeah. think will be in there that I can't wait to hear about um, because there's also there's 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 I mean I'm aware of kind of like the UK scene with like English dogs broken bones I'm aware yeah. of the US scene agnostic front crumb suckers ludicrist even and then I'm kind of, yeah, and then I was I was a really big fan um right from right from the word go um of the sperm birds which is kind of like german slash american soldier kind of shit well (laughs) well lee hollies was an american so it was kind of american yeah (laughs) yeah it's got such a such a weird combination like an american you know an american soldier in in a in a german punk band singing you know about hating America, I thought it was really fucking cool. Americans are cool, remember? Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. The first time I heard that, first time I heard that song, man, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is fucking awesome!" Um, I was like, Kev, our old guitarist, brought it round to my house, and I was like, he said, "Oh, I'm, I, I, I really think you're gonna like this," and I played it, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Um, and of course. I should I should Can name I check. My, my... Uh, sorry, I should name check another British band from that era as well, which which were the the Stupids. Um, yeah. I mean... Wow! Well, well, the Stupids, Stupids were an amazing band. I mean, you can uh, they were fast, hard, but on the same time they they kept the melody. Even though if I love bands like you know Ripcord or Heresy, who are one thousand miles per hour, or vicious and fast and hard, and blah blah blah. Stupid had this element of American, of melodic American hardcore inside, which made them really, really special to me. I, to this day, I, I think that uh, uh, there were, there are, in general. Hello, Howard. Can you hear me right now? Oh, that's much better. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, it has to do with uh, the Facebook Messenger, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Um, uh, dude. So anyway, um, we were talking about the stupids. One thing I'm, I'm, I was really keen to find out as well is, did you? Because um, again, this is kind of like basically a big advert for your book because I'm asking you loads of questions about yeah. what might or might not be in there. Because I'm excited yeah. to read it. Did you? Yeah. Um, did you manage to cover like any kind of sort of famous venues? The, I mean, the one that I kind of think of. Because I was living, because I was up north when I was, you know, when yeah. I was young, before I got to move down to London, and um, and I was like always at the Duchess of York in Leeds, um, which was just a, an absolute mecca up in the north for for bands to play. Um, did you yeah. manage to cover a lot of like, you know, were, were there any sort of famous venues or anything that have? That yeah, have yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, I got interviews from English Dogs, from Broken Bones, from Discharge. <laughs> Uh, from uh, Sacrilege, fantastic band, Sacrilege, and fantastic people. Uh, from um, Concrete Socks, uh, awesome. from uh, Annihilated, uh, from Virus, of course. That, uh, uh, That's from amazing. Grind, Axe Grinder, Doom. I got, I, I mean, I got about 130 interviews uh, from uh, bands from all over the world. But uh, these are some of the UK bands that uh, uh, I really got um, good interviews from and that uh, I managed to write uh, um, a, 
uh, many chapters for each and every band reviewing every record that they took out throughout uh, that they took out throughout their career. So uh, I'm a big I got I'm a big too because I'm a big are maybe the purveyors of um, uh, the dark apocalyptic uh, metal punk. It's yeah, <laughs> it has to be I'm a big. That's amazing, man. I mean, that's and, and how long did it? How long did it take to put put all this together? Oh, well, it was about uh, uh, to put all this together. It took me about fourteen months, one year, and two months. But I was. It was like um, it was like working uh, full time uh, ending your vacation because you know it, it was easy for me to take interviews from UK bands. Uh, because uh, the time zone uh, at, the, uh, at the moment I was living in Italy, so the time zone was um, some, uh, somehow uh, the same. But yeah. taking bands from uh, taking uh, interviews from uh, people in, uh, for example, from uh, Los Angeles, suicidal tendencies, or uh, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, you had to wake up at four o'clock and yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hello. <laughs> 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 And that, but that's awesome. That's such that's such dedication to the music. I mean, this this music must have really, really hit you hard when you when you first uh, discovered it. It's 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 uh, it's not just the music. I mean, uh, I thought that it would um, uh, that would very 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 good for me to uh, to uh, to bring all all, the, all my thoughts, all those years, all all those things together. And to write them down, and uh, here I would like to thank Ian Glasper and Richard Ander- Richard Anderson of uh, Cherry Red because they gave me they gave me the ten uh, the tenth. Uh, you know, uh, without Ian, this book would never be out. Ian, as you already know, is an amazing person, yeah. uh, an excellent an excellent person who's doing so much work for uh, not just for the underground team, but you know, on a personal level, he. He he's a fair he's a very fair very decent man, and he seems to I mean he only met me once while, while I was working as a bouncer in the stomp ground uh, gig uh, on 2004 in Greece okay, and he trusted me. Uh, this thing says, uh, I can tell a lot about Ian. Ian is an amazing guy, and without him, without Ian, there would be no book. <laughs> That's amazing. You've got to tell me that story. So you 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 were you were a bouncer at a club Ian was playing. Yeah, I was. Uh, Ian was playing some grounds, and uh, they were playing this. And uh, I used to work uh, when I was uh, twenty twenty to twenty two years old. I used to uh, bounce. Uh, I go as a bouncer at the shows. I, I'm not that huge, <laughs> but um, it's it, it just uh, that uh, I knew uh, all the guys that uh, wanted to pick up fights. And um, they saw me, and uh, um, they didn't uh, pick up fights because uh, they kind of liked me. I was, uh, I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't huge. I wasn't the health angel. I wasn't anything like that. <laughs> right. Okay. So you just, you just, you, they just knew not to mess with you, or they just liked you. Sorry. So the, so the guys who wanted to pick fights, they just they just knew they knew you and they liked you, or they they just knew yeah. not to mess with you. <laughs> no, no, no. They knew me and they liked me. So why right. why to pick up fights? It's the same. Uh, you know, the funny thing is that the same happens. The same thing happens to school right now that I'm working. All the troublemakers or the outcasts, the freaks. You know, 
uh, they're very happy with me. They're very cool with me. They say, "Oh man, I'm, I really like you." I say, "Whoa!" <laughs> 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 it's in some kind of energy. I don't know how. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a freak too. So, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, uh, anybody who gets involved in this crazy industry, whether it's writing yeah. a book or in a band or working crew or or you know or, or doing sound, any of us, we all. We've all that we're all here. We're all involved in it for a reason, and I think you know. For me, that reason has always been that just listening to the music isn't enough. Don't get me wrong. That's that's great. That's wonderful. That's great. But but you somehow there's this feeling inside of you that makes you want to be to to be more involved and to have and to be and to be part of that scene. And you and you don't have a choice. You just have to do it. Yeah. Exactly, and since since, uh, since uh, that I'm a talentless uh, idiot that cannot uh, that cannot play uh, for, that cannot bang a drum into the same rhythm for two seconds or cannot play guitar, um, I managed to use to use something else. I managed to use my my writing skills, my interviewing skills, my and my, but most basically my research skills. Uh, in terms of research, I don't want to brag, but I think that I'm I'm really good. <laughs> good, good. Well, you've already you've already blown me away with your research with like Gary Bushell claiming the term crossover before anyone else. I mean, that is, uh, fuck me, that's news to me. So you know, hands up, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, there's a book um, written by Professor Steve Waxman uh, from Boston. He's a, a, a really, a really fantastic guy. Uh, I, I totally recommend to read, to read his book. It's called uh, This End the Summer of Love, Crossover and Conflict uh, in uh, Punk and Heavy Metal, where he wrote about... Uh, the musical inter- interaction between uh, heavy metal and punk uh, to from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, etc., etc. But he didn't, you know, he didn't take interviews. Just focused purely on the musical. Uh, right, and and, and, and that, he, that's amazing, and that is really that's really incredible. But I think you've also you've pointed something out there that where where you said, oh, but it's only about the music because anybody who's listening to this who's into who's yeah. into crossover hardcore whatever knows. Well, anybody who's just listening to a music podcast knows it's it's more than yeah. just the music, and especially with yeah. this kind of music. That, that's why I, for my questions, I try to focus on the, the subcultural thing too, because I ask the band about the fight. There were any fights in your souls in the 1980s. Do these people um, go on well together in your souls? And seems, you know, in places, of course, like New York or Los Angeles, it was... <laughs> You can imagine it was a mess, uh, but in places you know like uh, Chicago or some places um, uh, in the UK or some places uh, uh, in Brazil, think punks, metalheads, hardcore kids, even the skinheads seem to um, you know to get to get going uh, well. But as I said, this wasn't the case in New York and uh, <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a pretty a pretty kind of violent scene and and funnily enough yeah. um of course John Lydon has always said how he kind of he he hated the fact that people used to come to the shows and and fight and things like that because it it yeah. to him it was just why why would you do that why would you why would you spoil and and ruin the scene that 
is is there for you? Yeah. Well, she she was one hundred percent right. But there were bands, you know. I don't like to name drop some bands, but you know there were bands that they were were actually loving this kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know they were troublemakers too, so they loved it. It's. Uh, and I think that this one was one of the major down uh, downhills of uh, crossover. That uh, it, it in some cases it became so violent, uh, and the same happens with the hardcore scene. Became so violent that the band had either to disband or change their sound because uh, they, they didn't want to attract uh, you know all the guys that wanted to fight. With a hard, fast music, and you so can't play. The, you can't play shows as well because people won't book you anymore. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, for, for instance, uh, Seven Seconds are another crossover band. Of course, they're a hardcore band, but they started as a hardcore band first, uh, a fast but melodic hardcore band. But um, you, you remember with the new wind, they had to change their sound because they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't deal with a uh, with all that fighting. Or bands like Negative Approach had to go. Uh, Negative Approach had to uh, had to dissolve in the early 80s because uh, every solo of them after 20 minutes was a, it was a riot. So, yeah, uh, it's it, 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 it's 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 a product of uh, of the era, though. How you know? Yeah. It's, you know the whole issue with the violence and all that stuff. It's a product, a specific product of the, of the era. I'm happy that. Uh, nowadays, um, kids can go to shows and have fun uh, without the risk of uh, getting uh, um, getting knifed or getting uh, jumped or getting uh, whatever. It's uh, it's, it's uh, I really I really wish that I really wish that they could uh, you know they could uh, realize it and uh, be happy about it because things right now are much more calm and much more easy easy going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and you did run a real risk. I mean, I've been at a, I've been at a few shows that um, that have that have stopped shop shows shows that have had to be stopped because of fights, and shows that have stopped and never restarted because of fights. I've been yeah. at shows where people have let smoke bombs off. Um, yeah. I mean, all sorts of all sorts of really stupid shit, um, <laughs> and 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 it's crazy as well because you think you know you'd be there and you'd, it, it, to see a band who. You know, you you you're not gonna. You know, you wouldn't get. You know, you don't know if if or when you're ever gonna get to see them again. Um, in, yeah. You know, there there wasn't loads of gigs around. Uh, well, there was loads of gigs back then, but not loads of gigs for hardcore bands. So when you finally yeah. get to see somebody, and then and then people start ruining the gig, it's just uh, yeah. I, I I could never get my head around that at all. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It so, seems so strange. Yeah. Exactly. And as as I mentioned, the strangest thing is that some bands love to uh, love that fight. To in concluding, I my approach was it wasn't just musical; it was a cultural too. It was it had to do, for example, when I uh, when I spoke to Luis Mazorka uh, from the Suicidal Tendencies. I asked him what were his musical influences, and I was shocked to hear that his musical influences in the beginning were uh, was classical music, and afterwards was hard rock. And uh, <laughs> when he found out punk when he was uh, 12 years old, uh, 
a new world uh, a new world uh, appeared to him and he was uh, shocked and he said okay I'm going to be a punk rocker so you know things like that um, can make can intrigue the reader to uh, to search through the people the bands yeah. the, 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 the favorite uh, the favorite artists it's you know it's, it's like a circle you have yeah, uh, you, you, you're going. You're going to explore everything. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, one thing that I'm, I'm kind of like, it, it's funny because people always thought punk bands couldn't play their instruments very well, and then crossover bands could play their instruments a bit better, and then you kind of have thrash metal where people were could become almost virtuoso musicians. Um, but I did. I I always thought that was kind of kind of lazy, and it still is today. Where I, I think I I think I had an interview with somebody fairly recently who said, "Oh, well, you know, you know, punk bands couldn't play their instruments or something." I just think it's a very lazy stereotype. No, um, no, exactly, exactly. And and yeah. also songwriting, as you were talking about the stupids before we got cut off originally. You know, there's there, there's there's some just great songwriting at work right across this genre. Um, and some great musicianship that I, I don't really think was appreciated at the time. No, because, you know, uh, their themes, their name, their image, uh, you know, people um, uh, people tend to treat uh, disrespectfully uh, those ones uh, that um, have a light heart, okay, and uh, that they would like, you know, to bring more fun to their music. If, if they're stupid were named as, uh, for example, Chromites, and they wrote songs about um, fighting in the streets, uh, there will be in the top um, UK hardcore band of all time, and everybody will t- talk about this. Yeah. The stupid, how hard they were, how uh, how menacing they were, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Take it from somebody who's been in a band with a bit of a sense of humour, that oh, yes, exactly. With, with, without without doubt, it, without doubt, some people just put you in a box marked not to be taken seriously, um, yeah. and and it and it do, and it and it holds you back. But I and and you're right because I, I love the stupids. I could talk about the stupids all day, but I'm focusing too much on one band here. Okay, look, this is this is a really this is probably a shit question, um, and I, I try not to do like straight questions, but um, I, I I think. I should, bearing in mind I haven't read your book. So, out of all of the punk, hardcore, crossover, of all of these bands, who would you say rose to the highest level of fame? Who would you say are, if for want of a better, for want of a better t- a term, who are the Metallica of yeah. sort of crossover, uh, of hardcore? Uh, uh... That would be a tie in between the suicidal tendencies and the Uri. But in terms of being, you know, uh, most famous suicidal tendencies. But okay, okay. I would. I'd like to. I'd like to throw in a third tie for first place, and you can tell me why I'm wrong. Um, Sick of it all. Oh, I think that sick of it all were a little bit later. Uh, they were a little bit later, and they were uh, hardcore. They were hardcore, one hundred percent. In the first two, in the first two records, they had a more metal production. Afterwards, yeah. they abandoned that metal production. They went for a more uh, oi hardcore, something in between production. Okay, uh, fair enough. No, fair enough. I think yeah, yeah. yeah good point. Good point, man. Yeah. I, I, I should know better. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, to to believe that you're wrong, but no. I, this is my opinion. Yeah, it, uh, I think that the uh, the suicidal with all the things that uh, uh, they, they came together, you know, from uh, yeah. From they... the gangs to the bandanas to the to 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 the um, to the um, crazy musicianship of Rocky George, who I like to yeah. name as the Jimi Hendrix of punk. He's he's amazing guy. Oh, he's I, an amazing I, guitarist, and also I yeah. think I, I think as well with with uh, Suicidals, they uh, of course they they opened up on Clash of the Clash of the Titans tour in the UK, so they were they were opening up on a on a thra- on the biggest thrash metal tour that had come through the UK and through Europe. Um, at that time yeah. and they were breaking boundaries because they were getting and they were they were also on a major label at the time um, yeah I'm epic yeah I mean they, they were they they really were kind of um, yeah they really were crossover because that first album that first album yeah. is is even, just if, is just punk if, no even the first album has so many metal leanings so many oh, metal oh right uh, okay it, you think so it, huh? it, 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 <laughs> Uh, do you remember the Vinyl Solution uh, catalog uh, that w- that followed the Vinyl Solution uh, records? For example, the, um, the Stupid Head um, uh, some records out in Vinyl Solution, and was followed by a catalog of the uh, of the Vinyl Solution releases as well as um, uh, the records that they distributed. They wrote about the Suicide and Special P. The very first and best metallic thrust attack, oh. and not to be missed. <laughs> and I love, I love that you can quote me reviews from like 1988 to, to to point out my wrongness. That is like, I can't argue with that, dude. I can't fucking argue with that. You've got the evidence. You know what I, mean? I have a very good mnemonic. How I turns turns out, turns out my ears are wrong. I I kind of always felt that. I always felt that, I mean that 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 first album was 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 had it was rooted in punk and it was the second album where the more metal production suddenly yeah. appeared Les Claypool was producing it for which yeah. he should be eternally ashamed because it's one of the shittest sounding records in the world um, <laughs> and um uh, uh, but it was that whole um yeah. oh in fact actually I've got I've got to tell you this this is this is this is a kind of weird one right um, I, I had the first Suicidals album. It was great. Loved it and everything else. There was a big gap. I don't know how... Well, it seemed like a big gap and I don't know how many years yeah. it was eventually before... Uh, before four years. Four, four years, years, which yeah. is like... I mean, that's ludicrous at that time. I'm sure you, I'm sure yeah. you, can, you can tell me why, but just hang on a second. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it's four years between two hours. And so when Join the Army came out, I'd actually, yeah. I'd actually already heard the song War Inside My Head because I'd heard, I'd, I'd seen the Anthrax live in Bochum from Germany video, and they played War Inside My Head as an encore. And they were, do, and they were doing that before Suicidal Tendencies had even released the song War yeah. Inside My Head. Um, it was just completely weird, because I remember hearing that and thinking, wow, this, the next Suicidal Tendencies album is going to be amazing. <laughs> so yeah. if, if you can, do you, what, was, what was with that four-year gap? Well, uh... First of all, um, uh, after the first record, the Suicidal Tennis members played in uh, various uh, projects. One project was uh, the No Mercy. Uh, oh, yes. W- uh, which was an amazing record. No Mercy is widespread, uh, blasted, love, 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 love
with uh, this band, with this band, as well as Los Cyclos, um, members of Social Tendencies, released uh, the Welcome to Venice compilation alongside uh, Excel and Bellwood and like that, which was in 1985. Yeah. But uh, the fact that they were focused on uh, projects isn't the truth. I, I believe that the truth is that, uh, first of all, Social Tendencies were banned from uh, playing in Los Angeles area from uh, 1983 <clears throat> to 1985 right. because of the violence in their souls, first of all. And that, that uh, when we were talking about violence and uh, Los Angeles souls and sexual dance and things like that, we're talking about, we're not talking about getting jumped or getting nice. Or we're, we're talking about guns getting killed. Uh, so in social dance, so a kid was killed. It's all right in between a war of the, of the gangs. Right. And uh, this is my issue with social tendencies. They didn't, they didn't do anything to stop it. And they didn't regret it until very, very late. Even, even the Light Camera Revolution record, there are songs that um, are connected with the suicidals, the suicidals of the gang. Right. For example, Emotion Number 13, or uh, This Goes Out, Murder Thing. I mean, yeah. Uh, it was, that, this was the reason that uh, social tenses were voted as the biggest uh, assholes by readers of uh, Flipside magazine, 1982. Uh, they condoned violence. They wanted violence in their souls. Right. So, uh, inevitably, I believe that both um, uh, the suicidal kind of lost uh, from this um, from this violence. Suicidal should have broken, should have been uh, have been put on hold for so many years. I mean, the years from 1983 to 1987, suicidal could pull out two or three records that would be amazing. I, I, and I know that you believe it too, Howard. They were they were literally on fire. They were yeah. a fantastic band yeah. in the beginning. Afterwards, I like Social Tendencies afterwards. I like How Will I Last Tomorrow. Me but too. It, it seems like a long jam. Like, um, this record seems to me like, like it's been a long jam. Yeah. The songs um, carry on uh, too much. and they, they might change the sound, something more melodic, something maybe to, to, tell, the, to tell the audience or something like that. Uh, I think that the whole gap from 1982 to 1987 is purely uh, a fault of uh, suicidal. That uh, it was a result of um, no the whole uh, uh, the whole gang issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I didn't know a whole a whole bunch of that. I really didn't. And um, again, yeah, I think yeah, I think that speaks to your. Um, uh, to your research, research abilities, um, and um, and it's kind of sad to hear because it's it's kind of weird as well because uh, now um, Mike Muir is very much Mister uh, you know Mister Big Cuddly Bear and you know Mister Peace and Love and look after each other and you know be positive and uh, <laughs> and all that. I mean, and and funnily enough, I mean, I went to see I, I saw them in the uh, in the summer at Bloodstock and you know. Um, uh, he, he's, he's always, you know, jibber jabbering about, you know, about all the basic stuff. Someone falls down, you pick them up, you help them and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so that's quite surprising to hear, um, 
to hear of the uh, the earlier years and um, um, I, I, I would never have ever guessed why there was such a gap between that, that first and second album well uh, I think that Mike Muir is not crazy anymore <laughs> he's, he's in his late uh, he's in his mid 50s right yeah. so uh, but then again uh, the whole Venice thing the whole things with a bunch from Venice uh, um, Bill, um, No Mercy, The, the Brood, uh, Excel. I think that it's um, it's a dance kind of thing. The right. whole connection with the gangs, the whole violence. Even though the Excel uh, were had a different approach, they didn't. Uh, they weren't followed by gangs or so much. They were. Something like you know more level-headed people. Yeah. Even even though even though all those bands are amazing bands, I mean, I mean uh, both Excel and Beowulf should have um, been should have been as famous as Suicidal. They're that good bands. Yeah. Uh, they they didn't, but you know, the, in regards to the whole, I think that it's a Venice issue. It's a Los Angeles, but especially Venice issue. Uh, and if you and if you see if if you read about the story of Venice, uh, it, it's crazy. It's, a, it's a first, one of the first places in the world where uh, the, the the cracked drug was uh, produced. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a small it's a small city in Los Angeles of fifty thousand people, where you can see all those crazy gangs from uh, since the sixties. It's I mean it's not weird, but. <laughs> Uh, that um, the suicidal and uh, all the other bands had this following. It wasn't just their following, it was their families. For example, when I spoke with Luis Mayorga, he told me that he had brothers uh, that, were in, uh, uh, that were in gangs and uh, that the punks in uh, Venice weren't allowed to be like punks in the UK. They, were, they couldn't have uh, mohawks and uh, red hair and uh, they had to... Uh, so they had to because they were going to be uh, they were going to get beaten up by the gangs. So they kind of uh, culturally culturally appropriated the image of uh, the gangs, the bandanas, the flannel shirts, right. and put it in and uh, they did put it into hardcore. So they were acceptable by the gangs too. Right, uh, <laughs> right, yeah. But but with that, unfortunately, comes gang members to your gigs. Yeah, and yeah, what uh, uh, on the other side uh, on the New York? Uh, yeah. they weren't um, they weren't gangs like that, uh, the, but then the bands had um, I mean uh, Harley Flanagan and uh, the Agnostic Front later a little bit later brought the skinhead element, yeah. the, the UK skinhead element, the New York. And the New York, New York scenes were very violent. They were, they hated everybody. Okay, and um, they created their own gangs, the skinhead gangs. Uh, it was, um, it, it was something that was different. They didn't, there weren't gangs initially. They weren't in gangs, or they didn't have brothers in gangs, and whatever. Uh, they created gangs, but the Venice, the the bands from Venice, I think that they, it was very hard for them to. Uh, to get out of uh, the whole gang issue, they were they were in a place where it was you know <laughs> where there were so many gangsters even in their family. So how can you get away with it so easily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I mean, and and again, I think this is the 
this is the fascinating thing about the whole about the whole hardcore crossover thing when we were, we were talking earlier about saying you know it's 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 much more than music and i mean this is even this is even beyond well i mean this is a brutal brutal subculture or a part yeah. of a subculture where yeah. you know gangs i mean and this this predates like you know gangs and rap and everything else by like yeah. 20 30 years yeah, by two, by by twenty years, by twenty years for sure. They were, they were and um, they didn't have the <clears throat> the the popularity of rap because uh, I mean there was some crazy, crazy, crazy shit that happened in that era. For example, uh, a guy from Social Decay and his Jersey band uh, wanted to turn upside down the suicidal uh, tendencies uh, bus and. Uh, I, I can I can tell the story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I right. But you know, uh, or or for example, uh, there was a story with the uh, the Sir Terror. The Sir Terror hated the Chromags, and um, while the uh, the bus the Chromags uh, minibus was on the way, the Sir Terror uh, set a trap and started uh, throwing uh, throwing stones to the minibus, bus, which it uh, fell over. And uh, the street terror guys went on to see if the the Comax guys were dead, and then the Comax jumped off the of the minibus, and uh, some members of the uh, street terror were uh, in critical condition. The hospital, crazy stuff. I mean, it's wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is fully so fully X-rated stuff. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, very crazy stuff, and. Uh, <sighs> But then again, you know, it was, I feel that it was um, the New York thing or the Los Angeles thing. It, 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 I, I, for example, in Canada, things were very, very cool, very <laughs> much, much more easy going. Yeah. In the UK, in the UK, I, I bet it was much more easy going. There weren't, you know, five, everybody that I've spoken to from the UK told me that, you know, uh, the only people who started problems the gigs were the skinheads. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the punks or the melodies, they weren't gangs. They were the skinheads that they, <laughs> that they anyway wanted to pick up fights. So, yeah. Well, that, that, now that's really something, that's interesting, something that you bring up there. There's this, this whole, um, this whole fallacy that there was, um, that there was a problem between, between metalheads and punks. Because, yeah. I remember going to thrash. I remember going to very early thrash shows, but I remember going to like very early um, punk and hardcore shows. You know, going to see the Stupids, yeah. going to see Heresy, going to see um, uh, oh fucking hell, some uh, really really like you know uh, oh and um, Broken Bones, English Dogs, yeah. and I remember going to see. I remember going to see English Dogs, and there were and I was I was clearly into metal. I had you know longer hair and leather jacket jeans yeah. i was with my i was with a friend of mine and th- and there were punks there as well and and nobody gave a shit because we were all there to see the english dogs yeah. it didn't it didn't yeah. it really really wasn't a thing well certainly not in my experience yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah i i, I mean there, there was a beef for example uh for some um some punk bands you know like metal and some metal bands you know, like uh, the punks. So, uh, for example, <clears throat> Conflict wrote a song about metalheads, the Man of Mania song, yeah. which condemns metalheads. And on the other hand, you had Def Leppard, 
the celebrity people, um, you know, talking shit about punk or Steve Harris. Yes. Oh man, like I, I, that that gave shit to punk all the time. I yeah. have a. And also, I, 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 also I, I, there was um, talk about like you know metal bands giving punk bands shit and punk bands giving yeah. metal shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. it, it, it was just like backwards and forwards it was just yeah. and it didn't do anybody any favours and none of it was true anyway you know I have a funny story that I would like to share with you I haven't told it to anyone uh, about the whole the whole beef that uh, Steve Harris had with punk wow. uh, you, you know that um, hmm, well uh, this is um, this is just like a conclusion I did myself I, it, it's not a fact but uh, there are facts that led me to this conclusion. So you know that um, uh, um, Murray from Iron Maiden, as well as Steve Harris in the 70s, they were skinheads. Right. They weren't metalheads. They were skinheads. Uh, but there are no pictures of this anywhere. Everybody says that they, and, and there are people from that era that say that they uh, remember them as skinheads. Uh, for that, and also, also Ozzy Osbourne was a skinhead in the late sixties. But let's stick to the Iron Maiden thing right now because uh, they were uh, Steve Harris and uh, Dave Murray were skinheads in the seventies. They were friends with all those bands, with all those people that played the Cockney Rejects. Okay, and um, Gary Busso's article on Enemy, with uh, which was common with um, Iron Maiden and uh, Cockney Rejects. Steve Harris then, in the, in the early, in the late 70s, 1980, didn't say anything bad about punk. Didn't say that he hated punk. Didn't say that he didn't want to mix with punk or whatever. He didn't, want, he didn't say those things. Uh, but uh, after a while, he started saying, I hate punk, I don't want... And they, 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 he was asked... Um, uh, but you took the DIY approach of punk because you released records by yourself initially and said, no, I, uh, we didn't take anything from punk. We hate punk. I believe uh, that um, he kind of uh, went on to be very, 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 very unhappy from the fact that the West fans, fans the, West, the, the, the West Ham fans, uh, picked um, Cockney Rejects as their official band of, you know, of West Ham, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Over, over Iron Maiden because they felt because Iron Maiden were West Ham fans. Cockney Rejects were West Ham hooligans. <laughs> so yeah. the hooligans of West Ham and the fans, the hardcore fans of West Ham, uh, were more connected to the Cockney Rejects than to Iron Maiden. So I think that because I know that uh, football and West Ham is part life was huge. Was uh, was always huge. Yeah, he was he was a football player until he was sixteen years old, and he wanted to play in West Ham. So maybe he um, he tended to be bitter against Punk because the West Ham fans preferred Cockney Rejects over his band. You never know. You never know. Who would have who would have thought that a discussion about punk hardcore and crossover would end up getting to a place where we're talking about Steve Harris and Iron Maiden. Well, look, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure. Now, don't go anywhere because yeah. I've got a load of questions for you from listeners um, uh, on Patreon. But for now, the main part of the interview, um, Alex, thank you so much. I'm sure uh, there's loads of people out thank there listening that are going to get this book and, and thank you for doing it. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Howard, for the effort, for uh, your help, for 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 everything. Anytime, uh, feel free, feel free anytime. And uh, can I say to the air right now? I have a friend in Greece who loves acid rain. He has a tattoo of acid rain, the apple core. Oh, wow! <laughs> uh, yeah, he has it. Yeah. What's his What's his What's his name? Tolis. Tolis. Oh, how? The, yeah, go on. T O L I S Dolis. Dolis, yeah. Dolis, yeah, yeah. Dolis. If you're yeah. listening, that's a very <laughs> that's a very cool tattoo. I, I like it. You should you should get another one with Alex with Alex's face on it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Howard. Thanks so much. Bye. What a great chat. What a lovely guy. Um, and what a job he's doing. What a thing he is doing. It's incredible. Um, and, you know, I urge all of you to get hold of the book. Please, please get hold of the book. Um, and also, as you heard as well, we had a, we had a slight uh, technical hitch there. The, uh, the interview started out on Facebook Messenger and then ended up um, over the phone. So there you go. But, you know, what great trivia that is. Um, but seriously, um, what a guy... And I have to say as well, and this isn't this isn't a plug for Patreon, but it's probably going to end up sounding like it. Um, basically, he spent over half an hour um, answering questions as well put forward by patrons, um, which is just fucking awesome. Because uh, I mean, the amount of time he put aside um, to address everyone's questions in real detail it was absolutely brilliant, and um, just a thoroughly nice guy. And like I said, you know, even if you just got a passing interest in hardcore and crossover, then you know you need that book. So let's go. Uh, let's go back to uh, me talking shit. Right. Okay. So here is, and I thought we all knew this, but apparently some people don't. So here is the law of gigs, right? As a bloke, you never, ever wear the t-shirt of the band you are going to see, unless it's fucking mega rare. You don't do that. Okay. If you buy one, if you buy one, if you buy a shirt at the merch, it goes through the belt loop. Yeah. Or, or, you do not, under any circumstances, put it on. And if you put it on, it goes under the shirt that you wore to the gig, the super obscure one that you're that, that, that you're showing off. Yeah, it goes under that. It goes under the... And that's where it goes. All right? And also, playing music on the way to the show is fine of the band you're going to see, but when you're near the venue, you do not turn the music up and wind the windows down. Okay, that is what twats do. Showing support for a band is done at any other place than the venue they're playing. They don't need it there. They don't need it now. They need you to be walking around fucking Ikea in a fucking shirt. They need you to be going to to the opera in one of their shirts, spreading the news. And I I thought we all knew about this, the T-shirt thing, but, you know, apparently not. It might just be me, but I'm pretty sure it isn't. Um, so yeah, I had a, had a little bit of a discussion um, on, um, on on Facebook with somebody who was, who uh, we announced we were re-releasing the Apple Core archives, and um, which is a treble CD, 
and they were insistent that um, there should be a DVD as well, which I could have gone on into great detail as to why that would up the price of the box set and why we couldn't do a DVT, DVD. But bearing in mind that they thought it was a great idea that there should be comedy footage of me doing Keith Platt that's available on YouTube on that DVD, I think you'll see why I didn't think it was a particularly good idea. But as always, you try and be nice to these people, you try and you, you try and basically say, well, this is why, you know, this is why that won't be happening but no they continue they continue to push and I, and, I, and I could have just been like just reeled off a load of fucking reasons why he couldn't but and anyway apparently I ended up sounding like a knob and as like I said if I did end up sounding like a knob it's because you refuse to listen to cogent arguments as to why your idea of putting footage that already exists on YouTube on a DVD that's not of any kind of music. It's my stand-up is a bad idea. Anyway, I think I need to let that go. Let's move on. Um, Lord Dying and Frank Carter. I mentioned those two on my radio show, the Bollocks Radio. Check it out on, on the YouTube Talking Bollocks channel. Please go over there and listen. Have a listen, right? Lord Dying, it's okay. I've deleted it off my phone now. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Um, and Frank Carter, another album. Yeah, I mean, really... I loved his first album. Second album was his... But this album, I just feel that there's just a bit too much... Oh, I'm, I'm sat here in the pub and I'm staring at a glass and I kind of think I should get out for me ass. Oh, my old man's a dustman. He comes from London town. I, I don't know. It's just... It's all just striking me as a bit worthy and a bit flower power and just, I don't know, there's something about it that's fucking irritating me. And I like Frank Carter, but I'm just not digging the new album. I am still massively digging Candlemas, The Door to Doom and Dream Theatre, uh, Distance Over Time. Got them both from HMV when I was up north. 15 quid for the two. Winning at life right here. Oh, Sorry, still suffering from that voice. And on that note, on that note, I would like to point out, right, that I was very pleased with my purchase. Yeah, 15 quid. That was great. Um, the, the album's going very well. That's, you know, we, we've got it. We, we've got it back from mastering. It's looking like it's going to rock and everything else. All great. Yeah, yeah. But at no point am I describing my life as being blessed. Yeah, I'm not living. I'm not. I'm blessed. It's a blessed. no. I'm not blessed, and it's not a blessing. It's the result of hard fucking work. That's what it is. It didn't just fall out the fucking sky. I made it happen. Honestly, fuck me. Next next, I'll be saying I'm living my best life and being an absolute twat. Um, uh, so, uh, what else been going on? Um, Amon Amath, new album. Yes, Amon Amath have a new album out. And um, all I can say is, uh, yeah, um... Great potential on the music, shit vocals, um, can't get on board with Viking metal, it can go fuck itself, really not interested. Um, and, and yeah, great, they're huge, they've got a big set, I've seen them live, um, you know, congratulations, but I'm afraid is <laughs> not fucking doing it for me, I'm afraid I like a little bit more than that. Um, and also, strangely, uh, there's a hardcore band, uh, uh, Employed to Serve, their, their album's out, uh, a lot of videos on YouTube, you can check that out, and I did think it was quite um, it was quite promising, up to a point, and then the vocals kicked in, and um, no one seems to have informed the vocalist that uh, just, just monotonously 
shouting out lyrics on every song is probably not the way to go. Because if you're really angry, that's great. But if you start out really angry on the first track, you're going to have to get more angry all the way through the album until your voice is just going to be... I mean, it makes no fucking sense. And, and it is just, it's just like... could just be a fucking she could be just singing a fucking i was gonna say singing a shopping list and that sounds sexist doesn't it but fuck it it's what i mean okay singing the telephone directory you fucking sexist cunt howard but it's just fucking ugh, just repetitious if that's even a fucking word anyway i'm gonna go and have a lie down and have a word with myself i'm gonna leave you in the capable hands of, well, me, actually, me and Mem from Exuma. It's been a couple of years, I think about three years since he was on the podcast. So we caught up again a few days ago and I got to tell him how much I'm loving the new album. So this is Mem and I from, oh God, Mem and I from Exuma having a chat the other day. Get it right, Howard. Hello? Hello. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how are you? I'm sorry about all the messing around with times and stuff. Oh, no, it's, it's a bit confusing. <laughs> I totally understand. I sometimes, I sometimes get it all messed up myself, so no worries. Cool, man, cool. Uh, what, have, what have you been up to? You, uh, you working? Uh, you're on holiday? What's, uh, what are you up to? Well, it's a holiday weekend this weekend. That's why it's, um, you know, I got all messed up yesterday with... I thought it was a regular Sunday, but it wasn't. So, so <laughs> yeah, today's, you know I mean, yeah, today's Memorial Day, and then and then going back to normal life tomorrow. I don't really work work. Um, like I go to my office twice a week, basically, right. and then I work the rest from the, the of the week. I work from home, yeah. so I won't be in the office until Friday. So. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, we've got a we've got a um, a holiday over here as well. Um, oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I was in the same headspace as you, kind of like because it's basically like you have two Sundays, you know? Oh, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well just put. a, a yeah. double Sunday. It's just yeah, it's a bit, yep. it's a bit kind of weird. Um, yeah. And it throws me because I just never know what week. I never know what day it is over this whole weekend because I just get confused. It's like well, right, we've, right, right. we've had Saturday, but this feels like Saturday as well, and ah, oh, you know. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, look, uh, first up, congratulations on the album. It's, it's um, uh, We haven't spoken since um, you put the last album out. And, um, That's right, yeah. And, and this is, um, I have to say, you've gone straight in. I don't think anyone's going to shift you out of my top five albums of the year already. Um, absolutely loving awesome. it. Awesome. Absolutely <laughs> loving perfect. it. Great. It's, yeah, I, I, it, you know, we, we kind of thought, you know, Let's do something different and then see, you know, it's always a bit of a gamble and if people like it or not, you know, but then we're like, screw it, let's just go for it. And then, and it paid off, you know, just to put a little, because you can't really do the same record over and over again. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it makes no sense for anyone. And then it's not challenging and you just get bored basically. And then, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who's, who's not in a band, and they were saying, "Well, why don't you, you know, why don't you just give the people what they want instead of doing what you want?" You know, and that way, yeah. that way, everything will be successful. And it's like, well, you know, maybe, but the trouble is, 
then it just becomes like you know punching a clock and you it's just any any other job yeah um, the whole point boring. is you've got to do the whole point is it's got to work for you hasn't it above everyone else yeah and i mean you you do have you know the fans in mind when you write things but it's kind of, it can't be like you know with the with the intent just to please everyone you have to kind of because people will go see through that too because it will kind of lack the intensity if you're not into it if you just go through the motions people notice that quickly yes whether it's whether it's live or you play um or you or you, you record a record if you're not a hundred percent behind it how are you going to sell it yeah 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 no you know? I, absolutely and it's easily done in fact one you know, uh, 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 one of my all-time favourite thrash bands has put an album out recently, which I'm like, guys, you know, just what were you thinking? You know, it's just, yeah. oh dear, <laughs> oh dearie, dearie me, and you know, um, and it, it, it's disappointing. But hey, you know, what, whatever they feel like they need to do um, yeah. to keep the band going, especially in this kind of, you know, I mean, you know, my band Acid Rain, we're about to release our our first album in 29 years this year. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> I, I hope everyone thinks so when it comes out. But um, but I'm sure there's plenty of people. I mean, I remember I remember the band very well. So, you know, I'm sure like there's a built in audience for it. So cool, man. Cool. Well, I well, I hope so. And look, one question I wanted to ask you that is um, has been bugging me. Right. The yeah. out al- the album. Did you make did you make a a decision as regards the production because the production for me is one of the things that makes the album because it, it's it, it's different it's 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 kind of like it's an old school but modern production it's kind of like restricted in its dynamics but in a good way I, I kind of yeah. don't know how to sum it up but it's just it absolutely works for that record well I mean we wanted to go with it's the same production guys I mean, basically, the, the production team, and um, it's Valdemar Sarista and Dennis Turner. Valdemar couldn't make it this time around, but we didn't want to, you know, uh, go without Dennis, because Dennis usually mixes all the records and masters all the records. So he did the same for Fire and Damnation at the Raging Tides. Right. So, so when Valdemar said he can't make it this time around, but he said, no problem, then we're going to ask um, Dennis to do everything. Yeah. And he agreed to do it. And um, yeah, the big difference really with this record was that we were very well prepared because usually when Valdemar is involved, you kind of, you can lean back a little bit because he, you know, he plays guitar. He has, ex- I mean, so does Dennis, but uh, he, he has excellent ideas. And like sometimes when you're stuck doing things, he'll come and say, oh, why don't you do this? And most of the time it works, you know. Um and it's not like, I mean, we get, the, when we go to the studio, we already have songs prepared. So everything is done. Yeah, but, you know, absolutely. As you, as you know, yeah. you still, you know, when you're in there, it's different. You know, some of the material yes. doesn't always work the way you think it works. Yeah. Or, and, you, or, or you have one of those classic moments where one of your guitarists turns to the other and goes, oh, so that's what you're playing there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then, and, um, so, but this time, uh, Valdemar wasn't around, so we were like, okay, we've got to be super prepared because, you know, it was the first time working solely with Dennis. And, um, but then, 
we noticed that it it worked really super well, and he 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 got just as good performances out of us. And I think one of the reasons was because we were well prepared. Yeah. And um, I mean, I tracked my vocals. I was I was there from Monday to Thursday. I tracked all my vocals for twelve songs, including the two covers. Right. So right. it was twelve in total. Yeah. And um, and um, then on Friday I just did like overdubs and you know little stuff here and there i just kind of add on yeah they kind of that's like like, that's like the sprinkling of sugar like you do you do your you do your like basically the solid kind of vocal tracks then you go back and and kind of add the little the little bits of magic if you like here and there right right yeah and it you know it it just it was amazing i mean my my voice was there throughout the whole thing i did three tracks a day and i didn't horse or anything yeah we, you know I did, I did two in the morning so like from 10 to one or so then we took a break and then i did another one in the afternoon that's it and wow. you know we worked our way it was it was magic like that you know and um the same goes for every other instrument as well i mean people were but again we got there we were very well prepared you know i didn't have to mess with lyrics i didn't have to do anything i mean i, I mean i by the time we, I got to Germany to lay down tracks, I was like, I knew the song was inside out, you know. Right, yeah, but that's for me. That is the only way. It's okay. Not maybe it's not always possible, but it's the only way I ever want to go in the studio is 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 knowing everything inside out. I don't want any surprises when I'm in there. Right. I mean, that's an ideal thing, but like I yeah. said. Um, we were motivated by the fact that it was like the first time working with Dennis as a producer. But, you know, we kind of knew that when it comes to the sound itself and, and um, the mixing and the mastering will be in good hands. Yeah. We just didn't know how we going to flow and vibe with them as, as a creative person. Sure. And it was, it was just, and it was, it was just fine. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I think you can, you can tell you can tell from listening to it um, yeah. that you know everyone's on the same page um, now. But there, there is there's one particular song that I wanted to ask you about, um, yeah. which was um, uh, the Order of Shadows. Yeah. Now it's kind of weird because I mean it's it's it, it's heavy as hell, and it, and I right. love and I love the song. But it just seems like it's a sl- it's almost it's almost like that is a song on there that's going. If you want an idea of what you know of what direction we're heading in, maybe we might be going more in this kind of direction. I don't know. It's kind of it's weird because it it fits on the album, but it just it hints at something else to me. Am I you know like, am, am I going mad? What's I'd love to know how no. that song came so together. Basically, we we it's part of you know taking that creative freedom that we did with this record, it, it goes along those same lines. If you listen to that track, um, there are two elements to that track. One is old school ministry, and the other is a band from out of here, from the States, called Power Trip. Right. And those are the two main ingredients that gave us the freedom to write that. I mean, we were, we were listening to bands, and, you know, we, you know, I mean, we were listening to ministry forever. And um, we always wanted to do, like, a, a, a stripped-down song like that with the bass coming in and all that stuff. And, and, and um, 
it was it, we never had the opportunity to fit in any other record really. And then we heard um, we listened to the last Power Trip record, and it had that similar vibe, and they were able to fit it in their whole in their whole catalog, so to say. Um, and we're like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to go for it. We're going to do that too. And you're right. I mean, since we took the freedom and and we saw it works, and now we 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 are more um, confident to do songs like the like that one in the future without everybody flipping out. You know? Yes. And and that that's basically yeah. You're right. I mean, it can. It, it, it's definitely something that we're gonna you know explore a little further. And then on the next record. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, like I said, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the album, um, but it's just, it, for me, it's great to have something on what is essentially, um, and, and, and I, I mean, this is a compliment, a meat and potatoes thrash album, but it's nice to yeah. have some, but it's nice to have something on there where you go, oh, right, okay, so, you know, there's, 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 there's other possibilities here. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, that was, again, like when we went, um, so a British fella wrote uh, our, our, our press, um, our presser yeah. um, for this record. And um, I talked to him via email and stuff. And um, I basically told him that, too. I said, you know, we're, we're just kind of, we don't want to be, we don't want to be just repeating ourselves and then be be glued to that concept of, of just the thrash band in that sense. Yes. Because, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a big music fan, and I have a fairly large record collection, um, which I share on Instagram with all the other people who are on there to share records. Yeah. And, um, and if you go to my feed, you'll see that I listen to death metal, that I listen to... Um, stoner stuff that I'll listen to thrash, death, anything, you know, even reggae, dub, anything. So I'm a musician at heart. I, I, I appreciate every every way of, of of honest musical expression, you know. Even if it's poppy, if it's honest, I'll still appreciate it. I might not have it in my record collection, but I can be open-minded to it. Now, I don't want to do all that music in my music but if i have the opportunity to put something in there that is outside of the genre but still fits in what we do why not do it right yeah yeah absolutely so. absolutely um and uh, well like you said it's it's just it's about keeping you yourself interested and uh, and also i think um there is, especially with you know uh, bands of a certain age like like ourselves and coming from a certain yeah. it's coming from a certain era. Um, you've constantly, I think, you've constantly got to have one eye in the future, which is you know that there is right. that there's no future in writing in putting out the same album and playing to the same people with the same bands all the time. No, because I mean, it, it, I mean, it works. It works if you're a band <laughs> that you know. I mean, put it this way. If you're like a band like ACDC, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Slayer. So it's same thing, really. Slayer, <laughs> same yeah. thing. If you if you've written the blueprint for something, yeah, then that's fine. Yes. Because what you what you do is 
you, you know, you whatever you do, it's accepted. Yes. Regardless. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. So you follow your own blueprint, and then that's fine. But if you're a band that's not that, and there's maybe, you know, a handful of bands that, you know, are that, you know, and um, then you kind of, you kind of have to be a little more creative, I think, you know, and unless, unless you just are totally happy with just doing, I mean, you know, I, I mean, you can say the same thing about punk bands, you know, I, I, for instance, like, you know, I grew up with, um, 70s British punk, right? Right. And, um, and, uh, all those bands sound very different if you think about it. Yeah. You know, like UK subs doesn't sound like stiff little fingers and, and the stranglers don't sound like the dams, you know, like it's all, it's all very different or the sex pistols or whatnot. Yeah. And it's, it's still all very different, you know? And, and I think, um, you know, a, a band like UK subs, they develop their own sound and then they can go and write 50 records like that, you know? But, you know, if you're not that, if you come from a different era, or not even era, I mean, we're from Slam, uh, we are, and you are in the same era. For, yeah. For, uh, you know, and, and um, but anybody outside of that, I mean, you just kind of like have to be creative, I think. Yeah, well, I, I agree. And I think, I think because ultimately... Um, what well, I mean, what we're talking about there is basically if you if you're if you're one of the main bands in a scene, you know, like then yeah. then you survive no matter what. You know, you'll survive past the scene because you created right. it. But everybody else, the second third tier, you all go down with the ship if the scene goes down. And, um, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And and so I mean, you look at like you look at uh, new metal, and you know the 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 creators or the people who are at the top of it, they're all still they're all yeah. still around. You know, Limp Bizkit sure. is still around. Deftones are still yeah. around. Corn are still Corn. around. Limp Bizkit right, is still right. uh, sorry. Uh, Linkin Park is still around. Well, sort of. But yeah. but everybody else, you know, all the second Corn. tier boys, yeah, washed away in a tsunami of we're not interested anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, well, we know what know, we we know what it's like. It happened to us in the early nineties, didn't it? You know, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's just like you know, it, there's nothing you can do about it because uh, you know the scene's going down. You're going down with it, and That's yeah, right. you can all you can do is just you know, kind of salute having had some great times and done some great things, and then you know, never mind, it's all over. Yeah. Well, I I kind of think now our band is is experiencing like a you know this record we were this last album put us in the german charts for the first time and since we started since 85 awesome um it was uh, album of the month in rock hard magazine in germany which is a pretty big deal because that's like the most prestigious metal mag and longest running metal mag in germany wow and uh it's like i mean all these things happened with this record that we never expect it to happen you know because i mean why would be why would we be a top 40 charting band you know yeah and um you know and it's easier now nowadays as when back in the 80s obviously but you know i uh, like for instance um the new possessed record charted in germany but it's nuclear blast putting a shit ton of money behind that record. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Metal Blade didn't do that. This is all organic, what we've done, what yeah. we've created, you know? So it's a different type of accomplishment, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, but the th- it's funny you should mention, well, you mentioned the label there as well, and I think one thing I've always noted about Metal Blade is um, once a band signs with Metal Blade, all they ever tend to do is re-sign with Metal Blade. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're very comfortable there. We're super comfortable. Yeah. And the, re- and the reason for that is because they give us all the um, all the freedom that we need and want and uh, they just, you know, they never told us when to release a record, when to, you know, we told them from the start, from the jump, we're not going to be one of those bands that comes out with a new record every two seconds because we don't want to. And, it's, you know, and, 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 you know, when we're ready, then we'll have a new record for you. And then they said, that's fine. And yeah. then um, and then that's what we did. And that's and they never said anything, and and they actually refined us before our our contract was uh, ran up. So the new record is on a new contract, basically. This last record, yeah. we signed for them for three records, and then the last, um, the Raging Tide did, the Tides did so well that they were like, "Great, let's let's um, let's have you guys um, uh, sign a contract with more money and." Um, and uh, and and, um, and everybody's happy. We're like, yeah, that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's, well, especially in the in the current marketplace as well, to have a label that you know turning around to you and saying that is you know, is just you know not sure not short of a miracle these days. It's one hundred percent. I mean, we weren't expecting it, but I mean, they, I think the last record kind of like I mean, um, the Raging Tides was a. Was a record that was very well accepted everywhere. Yeah, and it kind of gave them an idea about the trajectory of the band, where it's going. And um, funny enough, after the Raging Tides, like other labels started to like ask if they can come to our shows, and and we and you know we weren't on Metal Blade, and we're like, sure, you can come and we can talk, but you know we're, we still have to do two records for them. But actually, at the time, one more record. Right. And um, and then, but then you know, I mean, the thing is, if you work with a label now, it's been uh, we signed them in 2011. It's eight years, and I've been friends with the A and R that signed us to uh, Metal Blade for 19 of those years. Yeah. So, if you have that type of relationship, I mean, we have access to the German headquarters, which is the European headquarters. I talk to the guy in London. I talk to the main office in LA all the time. I know pretty much everyone, right? Right. Whether it's Brian himself or, or you know whoever works there, and that type of that type of access is is golden because when you need a post to go out or when you need anything, if you need access to the label and they're like, yeah, we got fifty other thousand bands that are way more important than you are, and uh, we don't have any time then you're and you know we're not big enough to hire a management team so that's golden for us you know it's if you're if you're on a level with with your label where you can communicate directly yeah that's that's a that's a big thing well also also they also those years of understanding as well it's like why would why would you leave an eight-year relationship with a label to go and start all over again with somebody Uh, else You know, it's just like, oh, God, I can't. It's just like, no, 
you know. Yeah, exactly. It, unless it's crazy money, which of course it won't be. Um, no. You know, it, it, yeah, it's just, that sounds like the ideal working relationship. Yeah, I mean, we get we get all our expenses paid, you know, everybody makes a little bit of money and everybody's happy, you know. Whereas if you become greedy in this business, <clears throat> you know how that works. Somebody wins a, <laughs> yeah. a big wad of money and they expect big things. What if you can't deliver, you know? Yes. That's that's the that's the flip side of that, you know, and I mean, you know, they put exactly the amount of money behind us as 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 needed and then it still generates the success as needed. And like I said, we, you know, look at bands like Cannibal Corpse. They could sign to a major in, in a heartbeat. They never do that. Look at King Diamond. He could be with Universal. He doesn't go away from Metal Blade. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Because they're like the biggest fish in that small pond there. Yeah. If you if you sign to, to Universal, then try, good luck trying to talk to anyone there. Well, it's funny you should say that. A friend of mine is uh, is signed there, and uh, he's just like, "Man, I've just had enough. This is just fucking." Yeah. You know, every every few months I get, you know, I get statements from them that make no sense, and you know, oh, oh this has been deducted here, and that's been deducted there, and oh, didn't we uh-huh. tell you that? And and he said, then you, he said, trying to speak to somebody is like is like ringing my fucking bank. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to get trying to speak. So it's like, does anybody know who I am? You know, is anybody? Nope, no chance. Um, no, and I mean, and it makes sense because it it's such a huge bureaucratical apparatus that getting through to anything, you know, to through these huge companies is, is like they, like I said. I mean, if you're dealing with Mariah Carey. It's very difficult to to compete with someone's attention yeah, when exactly, they have to yeah. devote you know x amount of months before that record comes out and after the record comes out. And if you're not on that level, it's it's going to be very difficult unless you have people who are invested in you a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I remember. I remember. Funnily enough, I remember being on tour in Europe with. Um, with John Connolly, Nuclear Assault, and I remember him saying to us yeah. that I know they'd changed management recently and they'd changed label, and I was like, "What? You know, what? What? What was all that about?" And he said, "Well, you know, we were getting treated really well, and we were staying in these amazing hotels and stuff, and then it suddenly dawned on us that we were being impressed with our own money because all of right. this, you know, all of this has got to be paid for." Um, and they were like, "Yeah, do you know what? It's like we." we Yes, we felt like we were being really well treated, and then we realised that we we were paying for all of that. So right. you know, it's like no, what we're going to do is we're just going to be sensible, you know, right. um, cut everything back. And I've I've said this before on the podcast as well that you know back in the day it'd be like you know who's got the biggest trucks, who's got the most gear, and now everybody shows off about how how small their setup is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like we can all get in a van with the big gear and everything, you know. <laughs> It's, right. all, it's all about keeping those overheads down and everybody's saying like, oh yeah, no, a sound guy does the merchandise and, you know, he's... he's yeah, I mean... You name it. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, our crew, we got two 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 technicians and uh, one um, um, a tour manager who's also our merchandiser, so... Yes. Uh, that's, that's stripped down as it gets. 
Yeah, absolutely. Work. We've got we've got a tour we've got a tour manager and a, and a driver who who does the merch. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but every, everybody's got to have dual roles, haven't they? I mean, you know, ultimately, if if you're going to survive in the in the, in the economic climate that we're in, then yeah, you've yeah. got to, you've got to have a it's, it's got to be a tight ship, hasn't it? It it has to be, and it it kind of also makes for smarter, you know, that if 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 you want to come home with a little bit of money in your pocket, then that's that's how it's got to be. Yeah, you know, I mean that's just the way it is, and um, and I mean you know what whether you're out in the road for a week or a month, it doesn't matter. You always want to, you know, not pay on top of it. You know, not not pay out of pocket and and come home with a little bit of money. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. And if you are outside of that, I mean, good for you. But, you know, I mean, I got friends, you know, like that are, that are in big bands. Obviously they roll different, but it's that same sort of concept. You know, yeah. our drummer is, 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 um, is, uh, is the drum tech for, for creator. That's his main gig. He does right. drum teching for them mainly. That's his main band. Then yeah. uh, he he texts for Hatebreed, Halloween, and you know other bands as well. But I know it, the creator business really well through him, and um, they kind of run you know they run a tight ship with the amount of money that they get. Yes, you know, I mean, and that's a whole lot of different, whole different level right there. You know, yeah. Yeah, well, that's but that's European still, Big Four level, isn't it? What's that? That's European Big Four level. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, but the, but it, again, I, but I kind of like hearing those stories. I like hearing that you know, yeah, they they might be paying, they're getting paid X more than the rest of us. But do you know what? They damn well know it, and they're making sure that they make every penny they can off it. Absolutely, they're not. They don't. They don't live outside of what, whatever the parameters of what they do is. That's what they. That's what they are in. You know, they don't step out of those parameters. They don't go and be like, ah, screw it. We're just gonna have like instead of one drum text, three drum texts. You know, <laughs> like not that. You know, like yeah. You know, um, it's not that. Well, as as much as as much as I um, like I said, as I've uh, been enjoying the album, um, I, I did yeah. want to ask you a little bit um, about Skullpit. Yes. So Skullpit. Yeah. Yeah. Go talk ahead. to me. Talk to me. How, is that is that you getting you know is that you getting something out of you that you weren't be, weren't able to get out in Exuma? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's basically. So uh, I became friends with Tatsu. I, I, I was a Church of Misery fan, and um, he saw me wearing shirts of church and, 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 and posting records of church on Instagram, and then at some point he reached out to me, that's years ago now, and he said, um, thank you for the support, um, I don't know if you know this, but probably not, but I'm a huge Exumer fan, I used to be in a thrash band before I did church, and um and I love your music, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, I had no idea. And so we just became friends, talking on, on, on the web. One day he sent me some music and he said, listen, I'm, I would like you to listen to this and see if, you, if you'd be interested in you know, writing some lyrics, maybe putting some vocals on it. And I said, all right. And I kind of blew it off for a hot second because 
I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do anything right now. And and then uh, I listened to it. I thought, oh, this is really cool. It's co- totally different than anything that I do or that that Tatsu does with church. And um, and then uh, shortly thereafter, you know, I said, you know, this this is actually worthwhile my time. And then I wrote some lyrics, put some of locals on there. He loved it, and then he sent me more stuff. And then, then it became like ten tracks or nine tracks. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I went and laid down the vocals here in Long Island um, with a friend of mine helping me out um, producing them. Uh, and uh, and um, and then I we sent it to a few labels, and Metal Blade was interested in it, and that's how that whole thing became. I mean, it's basically a homage to what we grew up with, you know, new wave of British heavy metal, punk, anything that, you know, is outside of the genre that we both respectively play. Yeah. Yeah. That, and which is the yeah. perfect, which is the perfect way to approach a project like that. And, and I'm, I'm jealous, frankly, because I remember last, I do actually remember last time we spoke, we, we ended up talking a lot about punk because I've, you know, punk, right. and, punk and hardcore was like what right. I, what I got into. I, I found thrash, but I kind of found found all that stuff at the same time, and there was such a great English scene at the time as well because I could go and see I could go and see the Stupids, I could go and see uh, right. English Dogs, I could go and see Broken yeah. Bones, you know, and yeah. and all of the, all of these like you know fucking great bands that and it, it just seems to be like every band around that was around them was great, and um, yeah. and, I, and I'd love to do something like that outside of Acid Rain now. So I've got to be honest, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite jealous, I, uh, um, and I can understand exactly why you do it as well. Yeah, I mean, and there's no pressure, you know. We do it yeah. when we're when we're both having some off time, you know, from both the bands. Daitatsu is now on on U.S. tour. I'll be going out to Europe, you know. Whenever, maybe next year, we'll write some more music, and you know, we'll get into it when things are a little more calm with each of each of uh, our bands. And it, it, that's the beauty of that project. And it, that's why there, you don't see a whole band. You just see the two of us. Because it really is just the two of us doing stuff. And then, obviously, we have players that play with us. But, you know, it's not a band-band situation. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's basically the two of you. And if you want to do a gig, it's like whoever you can sort of make a band right. up of at the time. That's exactly what it is. And you're not going to you're not going to tour tour it or do anything like that. Well, we like I said, once we have um, once we have a little better understanding of what's going to happen this year, right? Um, I think there's one more European tour that we got to go do with with um, Zoomer. Um, then you know we can start looking at stuff uh, with Skulltit. Um, and I mean, Tatsu is extremely busy right now with this. U.S. tour, and then he's got to write a new record for Church, actually. Right. Their record is maybe three years old at this point. So, so. so are you doing Are you doing any of the kind of like the European festival circuit this year? Yes. So I'm, I'm basically, well, we're doing, um, so we're doing four um, German festivals. Uh, then we do one in Portugal, a big one with um, Satyricon and a whole bunch of other bands. In, uh, uh, in Lisbon and then the last one of the summer will be Brutal Assault in the Czech Republic for us oh lovely so yeah so we'll do all that 
and then we'll come back for another tour of Europe, actually, um, at the end of the fall, pretty much late fall. And that's, the, that's, that's 2019. And then we've got to look at, you know, and then we'll figure out what happens next year. Right, yeah. Wow. So, it, I mean, it's, yeah, if, if you do get anything to, together with Sculpit, it's going to be kind of towards the end of 2019. But by the sounds of it, he's got, he's got a re- another record to write for Church as well. So, yeah. 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 It's, uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, we're not, it's not put off in that sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, I guess it, it also means that when you get round to doing that stuff again, it's it's still fun, it's still a break, it's still, you know, it still means the same to both of you. Exactly, yeah, 100%. Yeah, because you can't let it become a routine and just something that you're trying to cram in between, like, you know, your inverted commas day job. Um, because yeah, then, it, yeah. th- then it just becomes another thing that's crammed in and you know yeah i know i know i'll tell you what i've definitely got to get a set of punk band together that's for sure yeah (laughs) i am i am very jealous very jealous indeed um so um this this touring cycle that you're on at the moment or rather that you've you've got to finish up um that is so that's basically mainly 2019 so will you will you kind of take will you take 2020 off with exuma or will it just be doing kind of like bits and pieces here and there no it'll be rinse and repeat probably and then you know but we'll have a little more off time and like that's when i'm gonna probably start writing stuff with sculpted and you know maybe play a few shows and see what happens but uh it will be rinse and repeat and you know go into different territories yeah next year right um now probably do North America. Probably do you know some other stuff, you know that we haven't done this year. And um, and you said about doing the album that was ten Exuma tracks and two covers. Was that the yeah. was that the total amount of songs that you went in with and the total amount of songs that you recorded? That was uh, well. We had a lot more ideas for songs. That but basically what we do is we we collect a bunch of skeletons of songs yeah and once we feel like the skeleton is not going anywhere we ditch it yeah so you'll have like 20 song ideas maybe all together but you know halfway through the process you notice why this doesn't really work why continue working on the skeleton you know what i mean yeah i I know exactly what you mean i i I know how you feel as well it's like if you, the, how many times do you do this? Do you try and repurpose a song and you try and rewrite it and you try, and at some right. point someone has to go, guys, can we just ditch the fucking song? Exactly. And then we're really good about it because we know, I mean, that's partially because I live here, the other guys live in Europe. We don't have the um, luxury to just mess around endlessly and then go into the studio with 20 tracks. Yes. So when we go to the studio... We go there, those songs are done. So when we go yep. there with 10 tracks, those are the 10 tracks. And they're, they're going to work because we already know they already, you know, we work, make them work before we go in there. I'm, so, I'm, an, I'm an absolute, complete fan of what you're doing there because I've always worked the same myself, which is you put your all into 10 tracks and then you put mm-hmm. your all into recording those 10 tracks. I, I absolutely it freaks me out when people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, we recorded twenty songs and we picked twelve. You you did what? You How know. is that even possible? I, I know. I, I, How I, could you do that? How could you just throw yeah. away eight songs for a start? 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of stupid. Like, I mean, unless you play in a reggae band where every song is pretty much the same song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the reggae community coming after you now, man. I know, I know. <laughs> that, I'm a huge dub fan, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's just kind of like, it just always, it kind of boils my brain when people turn about like, you know, well, yeah, we had X amount of songs or we recorded X amount. I can never understand that at all. It's just uh, like you know, you, you get to your ultimate number, you've and then you just keep pu- pulling those songs apart and putting them back together and making them as good as possible. And That's then, right. You know, and and then you're done. Um, yeah. You know, I, w- I wouldn't even know how to begin pre-production with like twenty songs. That's just. I, I have no idea how people do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, no, it's I and it's I. You know, like I said, I, I think it's exactly um, it's exactly the same way I work, which is. Um, in fact, recording um, recording our new album, I, I think our, our guitarist had actually recorded the album at home to the drums because the drums had been the drums had been laid down and then edited right. and shifted shifted around, and then he took those dr- he had those drums sent to him and he recorded the whole album at home and then went in the studio two weeks later and recorded it again. You know, and he knows the record really well. Well, exactly, exactly. So every beat of every song, it's like, look, you know, I've got this. Don't worry. It's, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because that's the only way to be in the studio. That's Absolutely right. only way to be when it's costing you money. You know? Yeah, that's right. Um, Listen, I got I to gotta break with, um, with the wife and the kid. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, we, we good? For, for, yeah, for no, no, man. Look, look, we're, we're good. What I was going to say is, I have, um, yeah. I've got some questions from subscribers specifically sure. um, for you that I can probably I can probably smash through these in five to ten minutes. Would that be okay? That's fine. Let's go. Okay, okay. cool. Right. Well, for, for now, for the main part of the podcast, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, what a top chap um, stuck around and answered questions for. All of the Patreon listeners, um, and just what a really nice guy. Um, loving that album, absolutely loving it. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's going to be my uh, my next CD purchase, I think. Um, just a great, great album. Um, I, and I know, I know, for instance, that the uh, the chaps from um, uh, Different Times podcast, yeah, weren't digging it, weren't digging it at all. But for me, Hostile Defiance is possibly their best album since the legendary Possessed by Fire back in the day. So, um, what else have I got to tell you about? Um, I, I, I have to tell you about this. A friend of mine um, told me a story. He was, he was going home from the pub. He called an Uber and um, guy turned up. He got back in the car and he was playing classical music and he'd been in the car like two or three minutes and the guy said, um, what, kind of, what kind of music do you like, mate? He said, um, well, you know, he was Belgian, so he didn't kind of... Belgian? He was fucking hell. Bulgarian. Um, um, and he, um, he, said, uh, he said, well, I'm, I'm listening to, you know, like, I'm into metal. And he goes, oh, do you, mind, do you mind if I blast Metallica? And he was like, no, not at all. He said, so there he was, Friday night, being driven home in an Uber, and the guy was absolutely blasting Master of Puppets. And when he, when he pulled up outside his house, he was like, 
<laughs> he goes, all right, thanks, you know, thanks for the lift, paid him. And he goes, oh, no, thank you very much for that, mate. I don't get to do that very often. That was fucking great. <laughs> I just thought that is, that is just the power, not the power of metal, but that, that is just, that just the healing power of metal. Cross the international divide between Bulgarian Uber driver and uh, my mate from uh, from Romford. <laughs> very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, I urge you to... Well, actually, I urge you not to. You can if you want, but a band called New Year's Day on YouTube, they do an acoustic version of Fucking Hostile by Pantera. Now, um, she has got a wonderful voice. Um, it's well arranged and the band do a really good job, but it isn't a ballad, right? You cannot take the balls out of that song, and I, I, and that's not a reference to um, the uh, the woman singing it at all. The point is that you cannot take a song like fucking hostile and do an acoustic version, and the proof is, go listen to theirs, you know. And even the chorus goes, "You're making us," and she just goes fucking hostile and it's like no it's not it's not a cheeky fucking house it's fucking hostile it's fucking hostile it's it it just does my fucking brain in and i kind of feel like it's it's done the it's disingenuous is what it is it's oh let's take let's take um the weirdest song to do it to do an acoustic version of and let's do that in a desperate attempt to get pressed, stand out from the crowd, whatever it is, I just, I just don't agree, it's fucking horrible, listen to it, you might like it, fuck it, but it's shit and you're wrong, um, and finally, somebody else who's wrong, Michael Sweet of Striper says, backing tracks are okay if it's done right, no it isn't, that's like saying rape is okay if it's done right. Okay, there you go. I've jumped the shark. I've gone too far. I've said it. I do apologise. Luckily, no women listen to this podcast. <laughs> By the way, if you are a female listener, A, thanks, and B, I know I crossed the line, okay? But all I'm saying is it is in no way acceptable for musicians to stand on stage and mime at a live show. Full stop, the end. Any excuses, yeah, are unacceptable. That is it. It is not, a, you, it's like being a little bit pregnant. You can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't mime a little bit. If people are paying to see you live and listen to you live, that is what they should be getting. Anything else is an abuse of the Trades Descriptions Act, folks. Um, and um, and that pretty much brings us towards the end of this episode. To where, towards the end, well, it is the end of the Bolocast for May 2019. We're still going. Thank you very much, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure to be in your ears. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for however you find us. Thanks for finding me. Um, spread the word. Please do. You guys are literally the only promotion I have because I'm not because <laughs> I'm not spending any money on it. There's so many podcasts out there, folks, that it's very hard to get hard to get heard above the noise. So just all of the word of mouth you guys can do, um, you know, posting links to the podcast, which is hosted by all about the rock who i have not given a shout out for ages and that's bang out of order so all about all about the rock.co.uk you can find the podcast there you can find it on the talking bollocks youtube youtube channel channel you can find me on twitter you can tell it's getting towards the end of the podcast i can barely talk um you can find me on facebook 
please do get out there and spread the word. And if you want to sign up at Patreon, please do. Patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Um, and thank you for your continued support, your continued listening. It really is appreciated. I will always do this section on the podcast and I will always mean it. So thank you very much, one and all, for listening. Have a great month. Talk to you next month. <laughs>